Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Behind the Goals. Uh, this week we've, we've got something a bit different. We're, um, we're speaking to Chris Smith of FC Brickstand, which is a new... It's not a digital club, it's not a fictitious club, it's a real club that he's created, but from Lego, and its membership is uh, sort of constructed from people around the world that are really interested in this project that he's building. Um, they play in the Diorama Conference, they've got all sorts of wacky characters involved, such as uh, a manager called Felix Schmidt, and they play at Brick Lane. So we, we, we had a good sort of 40-minute chat with Chris. What did you think, Alan? Yeah, it's, it's, it's real fun. Um, I was a bit of a Lego obsessive as a kid, so this really appealed to me when I first saw um, the pictures on his on his Twitter feed um, of this of this of this almost fictional team. It's a real team, but it's made out of Lego, as Andrew says. Um, and I was just really fascinated by it, and it, it, the fact that it gives a, people. I guess it's a bit of escapism from from real football that's played on grass by uh, by human beings. Um, but uh, he, he seems to seems to take it no less seriously. Um, it's, it's obviously tongue in cheek, um, but he, he says there's a real competitiveness about it. Um, you know, trying to trying to recreate some of the reality of football in a medium that's slightly less real. Um, so it's fascinating and, and great fun. Yeah. Uh, we also talked about uh, the project that he was doing before he started FC Brickstand, which was um, creating replicas of real life football stadiums made out of Lego. Um, that was actually the, the piece that I saw first, uh, and I absolutely just love those images that he put online. Um, and we'll hear from him on the podcast. Um, you know the demand that there was for those stadiums. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think the whole thing raises a couple of really interesting things. So there was the bit about fan involvement, which um, you know allowing fans to have a real influence over aspects of the club. Which, yeah, as he said, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but it's a nice little piece of engagement. And then the other thing about what does this, what do projects such as this, um, and things like hashtag United hold for the future of, of, of football really? And you know, are they going to challenge the uh, the sort of status quo of the clubs that we see week in week out because they're not constrained by some of the restrictions that some of those. It's something that I thought was relevant when Chris Ewing was on from EduSport as well. Those that kind of this new online surge of clubs and how the internet is sort of transforming. Um, or helping bring about new clubs. That's right. Um, I think also the other thing I took away from it is the fact that people people choose to uh, to use football as the medium for this. You know, whether it's escapism, whether it's um, kind of innovation around it, but it's football that people choose. It would be just as easy for somebody with a, a load of Lego to get some Harry Potter figures and do a Quidditch league, but actually they're trying to trying to connect it to real world of of, of people's enthusiasm and, and love and passion. For, for football um, and, and that takes different forms yeah. I guess the same thing happens when you see sort of online gaming um, and you know people people dedicating I, read, I heard I was listening to somebody on a podcast the other week talking about they, they maybe put a thousand hours into this season's football manager uh, game um, so but, but people trying to do that to bring it closer to real life rather than it being pure escapism um, so that's really really intriguing that there's that, that part of us as football fans that wants to, to extend it, you know, the fantasy league game, the, the football manager game, playing FIFA, um, building stadiums out of Lego, um, whatever it is, it's that, 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 that 
I've got I've got hand painted painted Sabutio figures from the Wraith Rovers Cup winning team in 1994, for example. Um, so there's these little you know kind of splinter interests that happen around football, but they're still connected to football and 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 that sense of being a being a fan. Yeah, very much so. Um, and you're hear Chris's own passion for FC Brickstand in this interview we did. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, no worries. We've got a question to, to kickstart things. Uh, who's your favourite? Obviously, we're talking about your new project, Brickstand FC. So, um, yeah. in line with that, who is your favourite fictional club and why? Uh, well, apart from my own? I think Brickstand would be inter- uh, entirely uh, warrant. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I suppose um, I would say it's FC Brickstand, and um, uh, yeah, I suppose there aren't too many other kind of fictional clubs. So I kind of think about it in the same bracket as hashtag United sometimes, but then they've actually become a uh, a kind of a physical, real club now in the in the league. So. Um, you couldn't really call them a, a fictional club anymore. Or, I mean, if it is a fictional club at all, if it exists, I mean, we, we uh, you know, FC Brickstand uh, compete in a league. They play every Sunday night. They have uh, sponsors. They have players. Um, there's real money being spent on it. So I suppose it's it's as not fictional as a lot of other as a any other kind of football team really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, no, that's that's very fair then. Um, we'll, we'll... I, I, I sometimes see some um, so ones that are genuinely fictional clubs out there online, and um, I, I, I I once got almost got taken in by one of them. Have, have you oh, seen really? uh, Streatham Rovers? Their their Twitter feed. Oh no, I haven't seen that actually. Oh, it's it's, it's a funny one. I, I I'm not sure why I why I was taken in for as long as I was. But I was like, this is really cool, and their colours are really unusual. It's sort of like purple and green stripes. Yeah, uh, they, they they compete in the Exterminate Rat Poison League. <laughs> uh, and they do, but they do crazy stuff. Like they they have the, the each season they do their uh, their their shirt launch, and they have a yeah. video of launching it, and yeah. it gets it gets sillier and sillier every time. But uh, yeah, yeah. The, they almost exist in this this universe where they, they just kind of keep these stories going, and they and they, they advertise that you can buy the shirt. And I thought, well, I know that I know that they're not really a club, and there's not really an exterminate rat poison league. But yeah, you can really buy this shirt because it'd be a great thing to wear at fives. Well, yeah, I'll have to look that up because, um, like you say, that's the kind of the beauty of it is that they you can come up with kind of ideas or things that you wouldn't maybe you wouldn't maybe be able to do in kind of the real world and it's kind of it's kind of open-ended really in, in terms of what you could what you could actually do and that kind of links into lego really that's kind of the whole idea of lego isn't it that it's kind of uh, there's infinite possibilities from just a few a few bricks uh, yeah. or you know it's a bit more it's um you know it's about kind of fostering the imagination isn't it so yeah i'll have to look that up i heard i did see one that was called um I don't know if you I think it's called the Offensive Pod, and that's Ashwood City. But um, I tried listening to it for a bit, but so it was um, I don't know. There's a lot of swearing in that, so it didn't quite. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, I suppose it's quite funny, but um, I don't know. They kind of they kind of made it as though Ashwood were they play like real teams though, so it kind of 
that almost jarred with me a little bit because it, it says that they're in effect. Do you know what I mean? They they play like Burnley and West Ham. Um, whereas with mine, what I've tried to do is kind of keep it, you know, not use any other real names uh, on anything and keep it, um, you know, try and just change, you know, so like, for example, Blackburn Rovers could be Blockburn Rovers. So people still kind of get the idea that you, um, you know, you change it up a little bit and... There's also the you also kind of you don't want to get into the difficulty of using anyone else's trademarks or anything. So there's a kind of serious, mm. you know, serious side to doing it like that as well, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, before you started Brickstand FC, which we'll we'll come to, um, you launched a project where you built all ninety two English League and Scottish Premiership grounds out of Lego. So let's start with that. What was your What was your inspiration, and what was the first one you built? Uh, well, I suppose my inspiration was. Um, I think I was just kind of. I think I must have stumbled across um, some guy in America had made a like a big NFL stadium um, out of Lego in his in his garage or something, and. Um, you know, he, 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 I just thought, oh, that looks that looks quite that looks cool. I'll um, I'll go on and I'll have a look at all the English grounds kind of made out of Lego. You know, because I just presumed that somebody would have already already done it because at the time it seemed like a you know it seemed like a logical thing that somebody would have done it with Lego. But um, I started looking around and uh, couldn't actually find any any pictures of any English stadiums made out of Lego. So. I, just thought, oh, I'll just I'll have a go myself, and um, I support Crystal Palace, um, so uh, Selhurst Park was the uh, the first one to do. Um, started ordering just a little bit of Lego, just to um, like I didn't draw up any plans or anything, so I just started ordering a few red and blue bricks because uh, you know that was the colours I needed, and just. Um, just started playing around really, and and seeing if I could could make it look anything like the real thing. And then um, I put a picture on. I started. I think I started a Twitter feed straight away, and put um, a picture of that first one on. And um, uh, Steve Parrish, the Crystal Palace chairman, retweeted it, and if, and people, um, a few people started sharing it, and it just went from there really. And it was. At the beginning, I just decided um, that I would, you know, as a project, try and build all 92 um, in England to start with. And then I started getting um, kind of a lot of interest from Scotland, really, from people, um, mostly who lived in Aberdeen after they saw my Pataudry one. Um, it just it seemed a good idea to kind of do all 92 in England and the Scottish Premier League. And I'm still after four years kind of nowhere near finished actually so i think i've done about five five or six scottish grounds maybe, maybe a bit more and then only about i think it's 51 out of the 92 english grounds so um there's still a bit of a way a bit of a way to go really but um how big is each stadium after you've built it um i think it's about about half a meter about half a meter long maybe a tiny bit more and then about the same wide so it's um the kind of the idea from the start was that it would fit on one of those coffee tables from ikea that cost about five pounds oh, yeah do you know what i mean and um because what i was doing at the uh, for the first couple of years was i was making them and then um selling them to people 
or people would commission them right from the start and I would make them for them and then and then uh, you know and then give them to them at the end um so the idea was um you know not to make something too big because people don't have you know the space to put something enormous it just didn't seem you know there didn't seem any point in making them that big it was it was also more of a challenge as well to keep them you know a bit smaller and you know produce something that somebody could um you know you know put in their in their living room or in their study and you know it wouldn't take up too much space but they could you know they could enjoy it so uh-huh. you mentioned ikea coffee tables there do you send them to people flat packed <laughs> well no well this is part of the, this is part of the problem really so what i had to do is i had to um build it and then drive it myself to the person's house <laughs> um so living in Manchester, after I'd done Aberdeen a couple of times, I kind of got to the realization that it wasn't actually um, it wasn't something I wanted to keep on doing really. But because um, I did, uh, what what's ended up happening was that a lot of a lot of the interest in the project has come from from people in Scotland um, and from some of the clubs as well, like um, Hearts and Hibs and Aberdeen. Um, you know, these these guys have shown a lot of you know a lot a lot more interest than any of the english clubs ever had so i did tend i did end up going um you know traveling up the m6 and that uh quite often so it was good fun because um you know you got to meet a lot of interesting people and um see some places that you never you know never been to before and you know when i went up to hibs they kind of you know welcomed me and showed me around the stadium and the change rooms and you know, they, they didn't have to do that, but it, you know, it, it was, it made it, you know, it made it a nice afternoon for me kind of thing. So, um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's, you know, there's been some interesting uh, things come out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And on average, how long does it take you to build any one stadium? Well, I, I'd kind of, um, did them very slowly really because it was like trial and error. Mm. Um, uh, I wouldn't really know how, you know how it was going to end up at the start if you see what I mean so it was um yeah it was about two weeks I would say some of them but um you know just doing a a little bit here and there not kind of um you know doing it all that time but you would do a little bit and then think oh that doesn't quite work and then you take it apart a bit and then you'd do a bit more and then you think oh actually I need that brick and sometimes if you didn't have it then you'd have to order it and yeah so I suppose some of them went on for for quite a long time really but um do you, yeah, just, do you just use standard lego bricks to make them or is you know things things like the steel work and pylons for floodlights are they sort of lego technic stuff or is it um yeah, is it's it all, fairly standard things yeah it's all just been fairly standard bricks really um i think it may have been the odd kind of bit of technic but um uh yeah it's just kind of seeing what works best really and i suppose what's ended up happening was even though the, the kind of the the finished thing looks kind of quite accurate and quite detailed the actual process is almost trying to keep it as simple as possible um because there is limit you know there's there is limitations with uh like colors for example so like hearts that kind of what lego would call a, a dark red um it's quite rare so you're limited in terms of the actual bricks you can get hold of. Um, so then you have to factor that into, you know, what, 
you know how you're building it basically so um yes it's all it even though the end even though the end kind of product looks kind of detailed actually all the way through you you're kind of trying to make it easy for yourself all the way through or you know not trying to not trying to obsess about a tiny detail that you can't possibly you know represent with a lego brick but then on the flip side you know with with grounds you always think of oh, this you know there's certain um so it's like they have certain features that you would have to you know you have to include kind of thing so it's just trying to get the balance trying to get the balance right really mm. what was the uh i suppose t- two two questions what was the hardest stadium you've built today and what's been the easiest one you've you've been able to put together uh well the ha- the hardest one was um Bradford City mm. because um like I just said about the color uh like some of the color limitations with Lego that was that was one of the big ones like again like a similar color to to hearts you know with that um with that dark red um brick but then also like um someone like claret and amber is um Bradford City so you know the 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 yellow the yellowy color is kind of um, a rare brick as well. And then the trouble with Bradford was that it's kind of it's kind of built into a hillside, so or quite a steep hill really. So kind of the outside because you're building the outside of the ground as well. It's that had to be kind of built up on a bit of a plateau, if you see what I mean. So the the pitch is a lot lower than ground level outside where you enter the you know you enter the stadium um so that was that was quite tricky to kind of work out how to how to represent that really um and then the fact that it has two enormous you know enormous stands as well and then two you know that are a lot smaller um it just made it very tricky really um but then i suppose for the easiest ones um, I don't know because sometimes you think and you think one's going to be easy, and then it ends up being quite difficult. So something like QPR, for example, it looks it looks like it should be really easy, um, but then kind of the the way the Lego kind of goes back once you stack it on top of each other. Actually, in in kind of real life, the stands are a lot steeper than that, so it ends up it ends up getting tricky. Um, so some of the, sometimes when you think one's going to be easy, it actually ends up being quite difficult. And some of the non-league ones I've done, like, um, you know, they might be really tiny stadiums, but then what you struggle with then is the kind of the details or sometimes getting the right photos to work from to, you know, to actually represent it properly. So I don't know, it's a tricky one to answer that, the easiest one. Maybe I haven't got to it yet. <laughs> um, you must... I, I, I've... I've got a picture in my head and you'll be able to correct me but you know when you, you you're learning the guitar and the end of your fingertips start to hurt you must have fingertips of steel by now well yeah i think um there was what there was one um there was one christmas where i was doing them um for people to buy and um that was that again was an aberdeen link story i had about um 10 or 10 or 11 photodries to make at the same time um and I remember at one point my the, my fingers were actually bleeding and I had to stop um, 
because uh you know it must have just uh just been doing a bit too much but um yeah it does actually so, so yeah it can actually get um um a little bit painful but um uh, i'm quite lucky now i've got a little um if i started doing this at home you see on the kitchen table but only lasted about six weeks before my my girlfriend went crazy with the amount of lego that was around <laughs> and kind of kicked me out really and i was very lucky to find a little like um workshop just in the town where i live which is in altrincham um so now i have kind of a lego workshop which is not not at the house but in the in the town uh, a few minutes walk away so i can just go there and 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 work really and um yeah i've got it all got it all set up so i can just go and go and get on with it really so quite lucky really and uh... are there a community of, are there a community of people doing this kind of these these kind of projects making sort of real you know making lego create re- lego representations of real life places buildings uh yeah there is really so um i've kind of uh dialed it back a little bit recently but for the first couple of years i was doing this i used to go to some of the um uh exhibitions that um were organized for people to display their their models and yeah some there's a a kind of um i don't know i suppose there's a kind of uh and there's a lot of uh people that like um make big train sets or, or, or space kind of scenes, um, that are kind of make believe, but then there's also, um, you know, some people that make really kind of de- you know, detailed and accurate models of, um, you know, built like buildings that exist in real life. Um, and, and some of them are, you know, absolutely, you know, incredible. And some of them are really big, but, um, the thing I, the ones I really enjoy seeing are like the, um, you know, like really tiny models where people have used kind of uh, like so few bricks, but yet managed to represent something so accurately. I find that that's that's what kind of really interests me, like um, like the really tiny models, I suppose you might call it like a micro scale or something. Because um, I, I think that's really, really, you know, creative when when somebody does that, when you can, you know, you can represent something with so, so few bricks. I find that really interesting. Um, but yeah, so there's one, there's, there's, there's exhibitions you can go to and go and, and go and see, um, you know, see what people have built. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, at what point did you, so you're making all these stadiums. At what point did you come up with the concept of Brickstand FC and, and, and the inspiration for doing, you know, one particular club and uh, and moving away from the building individual stadiums. Uh, yeah, so it was it was around the time of the beast from the east. Um, it, so that was the the bad weather we had. I think it was about March this year or mm. February March this year. Um, so I made up a little picture of um, like groundskeeper Willie off the Simpsons uh, clearing some. Um, I put down a load of white bricks and had him like clearing a load of snow off the pitch um and then had a and then kind of the next day I did a, f- a few more Simpsons characters that I had lying around and they kind of it was kind of um you know just a little picture saying oh you know the guys have you know helped clear the pitch of snow this morning and you know uh, to get a game on or something it was just a little bit of fun but then it kind of occurred to me that you could build 
you know you could build everything to do with a with a football club um out of lego really and you could do you know there was you could do the whole thing really you could build a stadium and then you could have players and you could have the team kit made up um um and so that's that's how it started really so um because what i'd never really been i'd never really been interested in working with like the figures before because all you know the stadiums they're kind of they're not if you put a mini if you put like a lego figure in the stadium it would look kind of way too big you know it'd be four or five times you know too big for that stadium um and i never really i'd never really considered using figures you know because of that that size difference or you know how big a stadium would have to be to accommodate the figures um but then i just with the fc brickstand one the idea is that you know, it's like a it's it's a, it's a non-league club. It's starting off in the in the diorama conference. It's you know, it's not it, it's meant to be kind of realistic that it's started from nothing. You know, which it has, and then it can it can grow kind of organically and gradually, like a normal like any other football club would do. Um, so we, um, you know, the stadium itself um, can hold. I think the capacity is five hundred and eighty lego figures um so that's what it that's what it will actually hold um so then um we came up with the idea of selling um like not like season tickets but we called it an uh, an annual membership so for five pound you can have a a lego figure of you kind of made up to look like you that will then sit or stand in the stadium um for every home league game and, and cup game sorry um, so people have started getting involved with that by um, purchasing the annual membership and sending either a description of themselves or a picture if they want to, you know, over to me. And then I've I've got them, you know, I've made them up in Lego and, and sent it back to them, showing them the, uh, you know, what they look like. And, uh, yeah, it's just been a bit of fun, really, and an interesting way to, to have kind of people, uh, you know, people engaging with it and, and, you know, actually attending the matches as well. Yeah, very much so. So you you say you play in the Diorama Conference, which I absolutely love. What are, what are some of the uh, the teams you're playing in the in the conference? Uh, well, we've um, we've got um, we we st- I, I put a thing out on Twitter saying you know kind of get, trying to get some help for for names. So we've got a bit of a mixture of um, kind of uh, play on words for for other non league clubs. Uh, like Brickingham Synthonia, who play in the Northern League in England, um, but then we've got some like some big clubs as well in there, like um, Blocker Juniors and Athletic Bilbao. Um, so yeah, Athletic Bilbao are top actually. They only lost their first game last weekend, so they're they're top of the league at the moment. Um, but there's a few Scottish. There's like um, Brickin City, so that's a bit right. of a, on a yeah. Scottish one. Um, so I've had to mix it up a bit, really, to try and, um, you know, to get enough names in there. Um, but most of these, some a lot of the things to do with the club have been suggested by people. So it's all it's been a bit of a, a collaborative effort, really. So like the lead, you know, other people, um, you know, have, have suggested names, you know, right in in the, over the summer before it started, um, and then we had a a kit design competition for the home kit so somebody won that by designing the home kit 
then we had um you know a vote for we put up three candidates for them you know to be the first ever manager and we had a vote for the you know the supporters voted for the manager so it's kind of a you know an interactive an interactive thing as well really which you know it's kind of feeds into the kind of imagination part of it really because a lot of a lot of people are going to come up with better ideas than I can come up with on my own so it's um it's been it's been good really to to do it like that but tell us about the games themselves you mentioned that there's a league and a cup competition so how does that work uh yeah so um in terms of how it actually works um well i was i was toying at the beginning with basing the whole like kind of say matching up fc brickstand's results with um another real club so um you know mirroring their results if you see what i mean so for example um i chose like halifax town um at the beginning of the season because they're in the conference and um you know maybe a similar kind of similar kind of thing and you know if they would win on the saturday then fc brickstand would win on the saturday you know by the same score and it also made you know then i would make match updates and create like goal pictures you know using the lego that kind of mimicked the um you know, mimicked what had happened in a real match, um, which made it, which made kind of made it a bit easier for me because, you know, when, actually when you sit down and think about how to, what should happen in a match, it's can take quite a lot of time. So by mimicking a real match, um, it made it a bit easier. And, um, but you know, people wouldn't know. You know, that was just that was just me knowing that people wouldn't know. It would still be a surprise on a Sunday, you know. I wouldn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, broadcast that we're gonna have the same result as Halifax. Do you know what I mean? It would, it would be a surprise on the Sunday. Um, so then, but then I changed. Halifax were doing well, and then when they started going a bit rubbish, so I decided to change the team that our results would mimic. So I'll keep, I'll keep that quiet, not to spoil <laughs> it for anyone. Um, but I decided that FC Brickstand would probably be doing a bit better in in their league than Halifax were doing in uh, in theirs in in the real conference, um, and then the cup games have followed a followed a similar similar idea, um, maybe a bit more a bit more imagination in them. So this is this is your first season. Where are they in the table? Um, so FC Brickstand are sixth at the moment. Um, but we've got a game in hand because the game got postponed um, due to bad rain earlier in the season. Um, uh, so we're sixth in the table, and also we're through to the second round of the of the cup competition, which is running alongside the the FA Cup. So the games are played on on the same weekends. Um, so in the first in the first round, we actually produced um, quite a big upset by beating um, Blocks Bloxford United, who were. Uh, there were two divisions above us, so that was um, that was quite a good night. <laughs> um, yeah, how... in the streets of Brickstand. <laughs> what's that? What's that? Were they dancing in the streets of Brickstand? Well, yeah. So I think I think so. The ground's called Brick Lane, and that was that was kind of decided um, by people as well. Um, and then uh, it's kind of in. I think it's the the kind of the town will be called uh, Brixton. Um, so we haven't built up any kind of, um, 
you know anything around the ground yet but um uh i think that'll be something to come in the future and of course we're, we need a a training ground as well so that's something that we're gonna have to uh to invest in as well fan zone <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so there's uh so this is the thing so there's all you know it's, it's kind of football gives so many kind of real life ideas um that could be mimicked or you know you know played with by in the lego version that you know you shouldn't really be too short of material like for example when west brom had that boiler come out on the pitch as a mascot then we we mimicked that the following week and had a lego a lego boiler um you know doing a kick around on the pitch at half time and you know there's there's always you know i shouldn't really ever be struggling for for ideas really or material to use so um you know and the idea that it will be you know there will be things that are a bit you know a bit you know tongue-in-cheek and you know try and you know you know do things that are funny but then at the same time kind of keep it always kind of keep that air you know that air of you know realism about it um yeah trying to find you know just get that nice balance really yeah so so chris you're you're in the conference um what does the sort of how far does the the uh the brick the brick stand fc universe extend to what sort of things do you have planned for the future if you were to get promoted this year for example yeah so the d so in the we're in the conference at the moment so the, the structure above is the builders league um divisions uh one two three and four so that will match the the english four leagues um so there'd be there'd be how many promotions would that be uh about four four promotions or five to you know to potentially get to the the top league so um you know that's going to take that's going to take a you know a number of years and um i suppose one of the things to point out as well is it's not um i'm not in charge of the other results that are played in the league so there's another i um a guy uh, who started following the FC Brickstand Twitter account early on, um, out called Alan. He um, he's kind of uh, kindly volunteered to um, kind of do the the results for the other fixtures in our league, and um, I don't tell him what's going to happen with FC Brickstand, and he doesn't tell me what's going to happen in the other games. So okay. there is there is no kind of rigging of anything really it, there's a little kind of uh note of realism about the fact that um i don't know where fc brickstand are going to finish um in the league this season um um even though i can have a slight you know obviously a bit of uh, a control over the actual results um it doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're gonna get promoted or, or win the league or anything and I think in a way that that helps make it um a bit more realistic as well yeah uh, and then in terms of ideas for the future there'll be i think a lot of those will you know be things that i haven't thought of yet maybe that, that kind of uh you know that other people suggest or you know someone says why do you do this or just again things happen in real life that you then take on and and mimic or um 
so yeah that's what that's what's kind of interesting about it really is that there's kind of a bit of an open-endedness to it and there's a, there's kind of no um there's no limit on uh what might happen or um yeah or, or how it's going to go really so mm. i think it makes it a bit more interesting yeah very much so so you, you, at the start you mentioned hashtag united and they've got brick stand and there's you know all sorts of different clubs that are doing new and innovative things we had um Chris Ewing on from Edusport, who were, have sort of set up quite a unique system that they've got in the in the Lowland League here in Scotland. What do you think is yeah. the future for clubs that are doing, you know, there seems to be quite a surge in clubs that are doing new and unique things. What do you think the future holds for football in that sense? Well, I suppose I see club, clubs like, uh, like that, kind of, they don't have a lot of the kind of problems that, real clubs have in terms of the overheads um you know and 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 the amount of the amount of money that it takes to keep them going if you see what i mean so and they've also got the advantage you know that they can do things that aren't maybe possible in 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 real life you know if you see what i mean and um i think there's there's kind of it makes it easier for you know, um, kind of a make-believe club to kind of, you know, do things, but also, like, they might be able to do things that other clubs might want to do but might not be able to do, if you see what I mean. So there's there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of a a kind of an advantage to to not being a real football club, if you see what I mean. Um, But then it's also, like... There's there's a, there's a lot of things you can there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of opportunities of things you can do so for example FC Brickstand um, you know like you say we'll be having um, a, a, a kit that will you know that you'll be able to buy in real life um, but also kind of like doing things like you know we've offered up like um, advertising boards like pitch side advertising boards to companies or charities or people or sole traders like and we've offered them for free and that's kind of helped um get people a bit interested in the in our in our club which you know has in turn helped so um it's kind of helped you know a, a real club might not want to do that or think to do that um you know to 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 put you know to but we have like you know um somebody that makes cheesecake at home they've got an advertising board that you know out at our stadium somebody who's a plasterer and it you know and by themselves and do you know what i mean so these are people that are, would never get an advertising board at a real football club in, you know in inverted commas but they've got one at ours and they're kind of you know, it's it's something a bit unique. So I suppose that's I suppose that's what I'm trying to say is that there's an opportunity for the clubs like FC Brookstand to do. It's a bit of a unique idea, or it's a, t- a chance to come up with unique or interesting concepts that might not always be possible in the real world, kind of thing. Mm. And and it'll get a lot more exposure than well, a lot wider exposure than than publishing in the so 
advertising in the real world will be seen by a local audience because you're doing something that's quite unique. Uh, there'll be people from all over the world looking at it and seeing, seeing the advertising boards. They may not be able to actually physically get their hands on one of those cheesecakes, but they, they'll know that they exist. Yeah, that's it. And um, and this is what happened with the kind of the membership as well. We've got um, people from Holland, Belgium, Germany. Um, they've you know they've 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 bought you know um, annual memberships for five pound a year, and they are now attending the games. So it's kind of that's there's no limit as to as to how it could grow or or to, you know to where it could go or to where people could you know engage with it from um there was there's a um a guy in colombia who messaged in saying oh, i'd really like to play for fc brickstand and um this is my name and this is my position um so he did a little thing you know pretended to kind of fly him in for a trial and you know i got him a figure made up and he's you know in the team so that's um perez who plays on the left wing so he's a you know a, a guy who you know just messaged in from colombia and yeah, like you say, it's kind of it, it, it is easier in a way that there's no there's no barriers to to getting involved with it really. Whereas, like you say, a, a, a town in you know like you know like the contrast with like Fort William or something where you know I'd love to go and watch a game there, but it would take me six hours to drive there. Um, you know, it's it just it's an actual barrier, isn't it, in real life? Yeah. Whereas, uh, whereas that doesn't exist, you know, in the in the Lego world, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, thank you very much for that. Where where can people go to if they do want to sign up and get and get a membership? Uh, so they can go to fcbrickstand dot com um, and click uh, annual membership there. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's quite a simple process, just uh, through PayPal. Um, and yeah, so, yeah, and then uh, they can just uh, e- you know email me uh, a picture or the details, and um, I'll get them made turned into a, a Lego figure. The guy, like one of the guys from Germany, he was very uh, yeah, keen to have like kind of all black outfit on, and uh, you know a black cap as well, and you know stand with the more hardcore support. So. Um, you know, did that for him, and then um, actually, what happened was a lot of the. Um, I decided to say that if you bought like an adult membership, um, if you had a, um, children you wanted to bring, so I said up to two children, um, I'd make them up for free as well and include them in the stadium <laughs> as well. So, so obviously, children aren't going to be able to, um, you know, to purchase a membership for themselves. Um, yeah, so I said like you know, so if you had you know two children, you could send me that you know a, a, you know an outline of what they look like as well, and right. you know, and they'd get made up uh, as as little um, you know Lego children as well. So people have responded right. quite nice to that as well because it, it kind of mirrors real life because you know it's it's not much fun going to football on your own. It's, it's about going with somebody or taking your children. So yeah. We'll, we'll put details of this on the on the notes go they go out with the podcast so that people can just simply just click on the links to this stuff and go go there and visit the site sign up yeah, for and to follow Brickstand FC. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Chris Smith, and uh, all the best with uh, FC Brickstand going forward. No, well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I hope you secure promotion this season. 
Well, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it'd be it'd be good to get in the playoffs. I think I don't think we're gonna I don't think we're gonna challenge for you know the title maybe, but I think it would be good to get in the playoffs in our first ever season. Okay, so there we go. That was Chris Smith of FC Brickstand. Um, fascinating conversation and and um, yeah, really interesting project that he's building there. Uh, so moving ahead, uh, Alan, what what's been keeping you busy this week? Um, well, things yesterday, a couple of big things in Scottish football. First one, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, so last night, the Scottish national team, the men's team, have uh, emulated the, the the women's team success and have actually you know, done something good for the first time in possibly living memory. So um, they've done what they needed to do in the Nations League in order to secure that almost that backstop for the, the next Euros. Um, so we won our group. Um, as the seating said that we should, um, but we've actually done it in real for, for real, which we should celebrate and congratulate everyone involved in that. And we did it in a bit of style as well with some great goals. So those two games over the weekend, um, seven goals for Scotland, um, which is fantastic. Um, and a, a you know, goal-scoring star in, uh, in James Forrest, getting his first international goals, waiting, I think, 24 games without a goal and then scoring five uh, in the space of three days. Yeah, they were um, beauties as well. Brilliant. Yeah, beauties. You know, some of the some of the first touches involved in some of those goals. I mean, yesterday's was a real sort of end-to-end thriller as well. You'd never make it particularly easy, but uh, sort of going a goal down and then letting a goal towards the end to make it a quite nervy finish. But yeah, really, really good game. Yeah, and, and fantastic goals, as you've said, um, and quite a young team. Yeah. So a couple a couple of older heads in there, but the, the majority of that team um, were in their early twenties. Um, you know, two twenty-two year old centre halves, um, and the goal scorers. Uh, well, Fletcher got one goal in the in the, the Albania match, but all the goal scorers, apart from that, um, young players that are at the start of their international career. So that's hugely encouraging. Um, it takes me right back to the Kieran Cup. Those halcyon days of beating Bulgaria. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's a trophy. It's coming in. <laughs> it's coming in. Uh, so, what else were you up to this week? Yeah, well, actually, I, I had to rush to, to, to see the start of that game last night. Um, I was at uh, the Scottish Parliament for a cross party group um, on tackling sectarianism, t- tackling sectarianism in Scottish society. Uh, it's an interesting group. It's been set up um, by MSPs from, I think, four of the, the, the five parties in Scotland were represented in the room there last night. Um, some couldn't make it, um, but uh, it was a good cross-section of, of, of the parties there. And the other parties that weren't there are, are interested in, in being engaged in that. So that's that's good news. But also people from across sort of, uh, civic society, uh, football and non-football representatives in there uh, and the sort of emphasis of the conversation in that first meeting of that group was that you know sectarianism is a societal problem um, and it can't just be a football solution to it football's a place where it shows up quite a lot but it's by no means the only place where sectarianism is seen in Scotland mm. um, so quite keen that we don't try and we don't default to having a football solution to sectarianism it's a societal problem it needs a societal um, solution but I was advocating for football playing quite an active and integral part in being part of the solution taking the lead for the rest of society and we'll be working over the coming months um, to try and get more involvement of, of the football world in that in that discussion so that that, that uh, football can take the lead for to take the lead in, in or at least 
take a major role in eradicating sectarianism from from Scottish society. Yeah, well, absolutely, and so, yeah, I, I it think it was a good meeting, but unfortunately, didn't didn't enjoy my enjoyment of the football last. <laughs> Quite right. I suppose I suppose the key thing is that. Um, uh, you're right in that you know sectarianism is certainly a societal problem, but there's nothing wrong with football being a, a leader on tackling it, and it, it, football is certainly um, strongly associated with it. And regardless of whether you view it as being football's problem or not, there's nothing wrong with Scotland showing a strong um, sort of hand in in tackling it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I, mean, I think sometimes in the in the past when this subject has come up. Football's not wanted to get involved in those conversations because mm. there's almost it would be almost like football was admitting that it was responsible for sectarianism. Mm. Um, that's not the case, but I don't think we can play that game of saying, "Well, you know, we're not the cause of the problem, so um, somebody else has to fix it." You know, whatever the cause and whoever's responsible, everyone who's got the potential to influence people's attitudes and behaviour needs to play a role in uh, in doing something positive. Um, and that's absolutely there's a space in there for, for football, right from the from the highest levels of, of, of our game, um, nationally and uh, and in the club game to, to to set the tone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, hopefully the group uh, can play a, a, a strong part going forward. Um, yeah, a little bit of news from uh, me related to one of our previous issues we did earlier in the year, and probably still to date my favourite one. Uh, no disrespect to everybody else we've had on the show, but uh, Mr. Jimmy Bone has agreed to become a, a patron of uh, Africa on the Ball, the charity that I'm um, involved in, and Alan is a, a member of the Supporters Club of. So, um, yeah, great news that he's uh, agreed to help um, grow the profile of the organisation's work in Zambia using football as a, as a vehicle for social good. And uh, just a top gent. Yeah, lo- a lovely guy. It was a great story. If you've not heard that episode, go back. Uh, it was an episode, I think, in the late teens, um, maybe maybe in the summertime. Uh, sorry, in the in the springtime this year, uh, that we talked to to Jimmy about his his time in in African football. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so being becoming a patron of uh, Africa on the Ball is should be should be great for the charity. Um, I'm delighted for you that you've managed to secure that, um, and you know, the membership packages that you've announced for the Africa on the Ball. A charity. We'll put note. We'll put links to those in the in the podcast notes as well, so you can read more about that project for yourself and and hopefully sign up to be a, a supporter of that. Yeah, lovely stuff. And and related to that, um, our next guest. It's a surprise for you because I've not told you yet. Oh, I like surprises. <laughs> so next week's guest, uh, providing we can make technology work, will be Bobby Williamson, all the way from Kenya. Oh, brilliant. So uh, we'll be hearing more adventures of Scottish managers in uh, an African football uh, and how they fare. Uh, well, J- Jimmy and uh, Bobby both have both fared very well in African football, but we'll be hearing from Bobby uh, on uh, next week's podcast. Great. So until, so then, until then, we'll speak to you later. OK, have a great week. Behind the Goals is a Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. You can get in touch with the show by emailing behindthegoals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at SupDirectScott. That's S-U-P-P Direct Scott. 